Welcome to Ideas Into Reality, a podcast to inspire everyone to take action to turn their ideas into reality. No matter what experience they have, where they live, or who they think they are right now. Each week, we introduce you to a founder that has taken their tiny flicker of an idea and done what it takes to bring it to reality. We also take a few minutes to dig into the how of some of the key lessons those founders have learned on their journey so that you can feel more confident in what to actually do as you start to take action on your idea. Ideas into Reality is hosted and produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba. So we'll be talking to founders from our local community here in regional Queensland, as well as some of the interesting folk that we have met during our travels around the globe. As you've heard, Ideas into Reality is produced by the team behind Canvas Coworking. So we thought we'd let you know a little bit about some of the features available here in the building. Whether you're looking for an office away from home, a desk for a couple of days, a quiet room to talk to your clients, or a place to surround yourself with like-minded people, we have an option for you. Growing businesses need flexible spaces, and we offer a range of options with no long-term contracts so you can scale up or down as required. Our 12 offices range in size from one person to four people and provide a secluded space to work with a choice to step out and engage with others anytime you want. Co-working in our open plan environment provides the unique opportunity to be inspired, motivated and productive all at the same time. We've got 16 desks in our open plan area. Our meeting rooms offer a range of features which allow the community to meet, share, create, train, relax, learn, build and connect in ways that suit their style and needs, including small intimate meeting rooms of two to four people, a boardroom, a training and workshop room, an event space and of course our podcasting room. You can check out images of all these rooms and availability via our website canvascoworking.com.au. I knew that I would like today's guest before I met her. Ashley Jubinville and her partner Matt Weller are the founders of Phyto, an innovative solution for butter lovers that want an alternative to the dairy variety. Theirs is made from plants. Why did I know that I would like Ashley? Well, she filled out her application for Flare Incubator as if we were having a chat and after being invited to the selection boot camp, she responded to our questions with quirky answers that let us get to know her character and personality. This, of course, was confirmed once we met in person, and having her and Matt involved in Flair has been a blessing. They bring passion and commitment and butter. Thanks so much for joining me today. I'm really excited to have this conversation. So let's jump straight into it. Matt, I might ask you, just introduce yourself and Ashley and a little bit about Phyto. I'm Matt Weller and I'm here with uh, Ashley Jumbo. We are the co-founders of Phyto, which is a, an exciting new plant-based food startup uh, based out of the Sunshine Coast in Queensland. And Phyto uh, was created off the back of our work as food educators um, through our business, The Kitchen Coach. Uh, learning that a lot of the solutions that we were trying to help our 
uh, clients within the food education space just simply weren't available in the marketplace. So the first product on the market that we brought out is our Phyto Plant Butter, which is a dairy-free butter alternative, which is uh, made from whole food ingredients. And that really fits in quite well with people looking to remove dairy from their life or, or reduce dairy in their life and replace it with something that is healthy and not harmful like margarine and products like that. Wonderful. And as a butter lover, I've got to say, I've tasted it and I really like it. So it's a good thing, even though there's no dairy in it, I'm still quite happy to eat it and spread it on my toast. (laughs) So it's very good. So Ashley, keen to know what was actually going on in your life around about the time that you've got the idea to make, uh, well, you know, butter? (laughs) Yes, that's a good question. Uh, It's, there's there's a lot of things that have been going on the last few years, but I guess the driver with this is predominantly that it was a two-part desire to create this. One is that I missed butter. I missed the flavor of it because I, I, you know, have to be dairy-free for health reasons. And likewise, so many of my clients, as in the kitchen coach business, uh, missed it as well. So I was setting out to create something without necessarily, I didn't have a product in mind. Like I, I, in my opinion, this was just going to end up being a recipe that everyone would, would share, but it ended up um, over about a year of, of trial and error and a lot of not so great versions that Matt happily helped me eat because we don't waste anything. Um, it ended up being such that the, the process in order to make it I felt was going to be a little bit too much work for a lot of my clients um, to actually want to make on their own. And we had such overwhelming feedback about prior taste tests that we'd, we'd been giving out that they basically said, you know, I really think you should just make this for us. Can, can you just make this for us? Uh, and so the next thing we knew, we were, we were going down the food manufacturing path with that and trying to find a way to get this to the world simply because it has been... Uh, a relief for so many families with kids that have to be dairy free or simply that, you know, the, the parents just want to provide healthier options in general. And for some people, that means reducing the dairy in their life. For some people, that means just simply not having margarine. For some people, I, I mean, so many people have different reasons as to why they choose this, which has been fascinating for us to learn and observe. Uh, but the main thing is that it just is providing a direct one to one swap that kids approve of. And so the stress relief on my clients gives me relief uh, to see that lift off their shoulders, that they feel confident that they're choosing a really good quality product. uh, And at the same time, there's no dramas with, with making the swap for their family. And as someone who, for myself, we're always looking for that slightly healthier alternative for different things, even though we don't have any allergies, we don't have any intolerances. It's like, we can can eat, unfortunately, anything I want <laughs> and all of it. Um, yeah, it's, it's nice to know that that option is, um, that you're thinking about that, that it's not only for people who cannot have dairy, um, but it's for people who want to make those other choices as well, which is really good. And it, when it comes to the taste and the texture, you can tell that that's the case as well. You know, I feel sorry for the people who have to eat, let's say, gluten-free bread. It's like, oh, you poor people. Like, <laughs> nobody would do that if you didn't have to. Where this oh, is. pretty good versions now. It's not so bad now. But yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah. So it's, it's a nice alternative for anyone, not just because you have to. 
was going to say, particularly uh, another reason people are choosing it is for the environmental standpoint. And that's really where I guess Matt's experience is, has come to the forefront in a big way um, as an environmental scientist and, and very keen on sustainability. Uh, as far as that aspect of our product, we're really excited about the changes and, and I guess a new way of doing a butter category, if you will, as in it's not butter, it's not margarine, it's in its own category being real food and what that means from a sustainability perspective. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, it's one of the things where it's, it's really a great merging of my experiences as an environmental consultant uh, and Ashley's experience as an engineer and a food educator. We've brought that together and in some ways it's not a slight on um, the other products. It's more saying this, let's, let's look at what we eat and let's, let's see if we can move towards a less impactful uh, in terms of environmental impact. Uh, food products and then in theory over time that means we're going to be able to produce more with less and have less impact therefore hopefully more food for more mouths. There's so many parts of something like butter that a lot of people just don't realise what's involved in making a tub of butter yeah. in, in yeah, general. I didn't realise like I, I was blown away when we started researching Matt was digging into um the, the statistics and the, the measurements on how much water is produced or is required in the production of butter. Through the example. life cycle, yes, yeah. And, yeah, I mean, can you remember the numbers? That I, think, I think from memory it's, 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 it's 13 times more water. And one of the interesting things is, is the data is drawn from not your pasture-fed uh, cattle. It's actually drawn from a lot of your grain-fed cattle. So it includes the water that's used to irrigate those grain crops. So... When it comes to making choices, if you're looking at choosing a dairy butter, look to choose one that's, I mean, hopefully locally produced and used pasture pasture fed animals because the water, um, I guess, account for that product is far less than your what you classify as your your mainstream large mass produced butters. So it's it's, it's such a fascinating space, and it's not just not just um, butter. You're looking at things like how much water is used to produce coffee, uh, chocolate, which Sorry, everyone who loves chocolate. There's a lot of water used to make chocolate. A lot. Um, so as in growing the trees and so on. So it's, it's quite an eye-opener. And I think that's part of why my passion is to bring that forward into, into our business, share that information and allow people to make those educated, informed decisions. And it's, it's a lot. Like people don't realise, but it's, it's 5,500 litres of water per kilogram of dairy butter that's required and I think that number kind of maybe boggles people's minds. So to put it into more perspective, you're looking at about 230 glasses of water per tablespoon of butter that, we, that we're using. And so I guess by producing it from plant-based foods or from, from the ingredients in our plant butter, we're using 13 times less water, which you know is, is something in and of itself is a good choice to feel good about, we think. Yeah, and hopefully it means that then the other industries go, oh, okay, we need to step up and improve as well. So it's a, it's a win-win, I think, in that way. It's like alternative, but then hopefully everyone else comes along on the journey and aims for better, better results when it comes to those, those sort of statistics. And particularly for Australia, I mean, you know, we're, we're not in an abundance of water generally, always looking for different ways. And now with COVID and everything, the more we can produce and manufacture locally, which is always good from a food miles perspective anyway, but if we're not having to grow something in another country where there's plenty of water to bring it here to make it into something else, all the better. So, yeah. So you mentioned that it's not a simple process and it was something that people probably, whilst they possibly could do themselves, it, it would be 
labor intensive or maybe complicated and I know even for us we sometimes make um, like cashew cheese and it's just like soaking the cashews and and that's not even hard really it just takes time Um, it's it's one of those things where it's kind of like all right well if this is hard I probably won't do it let please make it easy for me please make you know, make this product for me so I can serve it to my kids who need it or serve it to myself because I want it. Uh, What did you have to do then in order to go, okay, I've got this idea, I can make this product for myself, but now I need to make it for for more people. Obviously, there's a a skill in being able to do that. Um, But how did you learn to do that? We are still learning. (laughs) Uh, That, yes, that's... (sighs) This is one of the aha moments that you get when you decide to go down a path and you commit to it. And then you go, oh, this is way bigger than I thought this was going to be. <laughs> um, so that has been a big learning curve, that one. Uh, and mass production is a completely different beast, which has been a very good eye opener from the perspective of what the whole intention we have for this brand is, which is to reduce compromise in the food industry, because it does frustrate me that these food products that are on our shelves, which most people believe are safe for you because they're on the shelf, um, how full of numbers they are and how full of chemicals and preservatives and emulsifiers and that, you know, so-called natural flavors, which are still just a collection of chemicals. And that really, really frustrated me. And now it's been really good having the full depth of perspective on the other side of that and seeing why those decisions have been made and where that's been where that's come from and so we are going head to head with that at the moment and thankfully we do have a product um, where surmounting those issues is doable but my goodness it's going to require more effort more work more cost on our part and so i think there's part of an education piece there where the consumer needs to understand that in order for food manufacturers to produce better quality, healthier, genuinely healthier products, it is going to cost more. And if the consumer isn't willing to vote with their dollar and to choose the ones, or sorry, to recognize the brands that are genuinely trying to do that on a really good level by reading ingredient lists and seeing what efforts the company is making to make this truly a quality product, if they're not willing to vote for those products, then the people that control whether those products are on a shelf or not, are not going to be willing to support the manufacturers that are trying to do that. So what we're learning is that uh, our our main supporters are coming from the smaller, more independent stores that are willing to recognize that because the larger supermarkets, uh, they, you know, it's, it's, there's more challenges with them. They run more of what we call a real estate business where, you know, if you're, you have your certain amount of real estate on the shelf and if it's not selling quick enough, you're out. So, um, so where was I going with that? Sorry. Uh, Yes. So what steps? So basically we um, we're still learning that even as of yesterday, we're learning uh, equipment. We're learning how to go bigger without compromising the product. And I wish I had an exact answer for you, but we are still working that out. We do know it's going to be possible, but like I said, it's going to be more complicated and involve more costs and, yeah, so to put it in perspective, we actually started in our home kitchen as our test kitchen using domestic equipment to, to I guess, create the product. So what that means is we need to then go, okay, how do we take it from that domestic... Um, very labour-intensive. Very labour-intensive <laughs> process and scale it up in a way that 
maintains the integrity of the product, but also hopefully reduces the sweat uh, effort, the cost. cost and effort and so on in there. So that's probably the, the, the step we're at now, but we're at a point now where we can still produce a reasonable quantity with those pieces of equipment yes. uh, and get it out to the people to at least get it in people's mouths, in people's fridges. So, yeah. And knowing that it's definitely made by love, made with love um, yes. by hand still at this stage and, and will be for a little while. Um, it's always going to be made by hand in that sense, but there just will be a different scale to it. To discover the actual process that's required and how that needs to be different, is that something you can Google? Like what, what did you actually do to go, okay, I need to make, you know, 10 times the amount and that doesn't fit in my, my mixing pot or whatever that I have where do I go to even learn how to do this differently? Like, could you Google it? What did you do? Uh, there's a limited amount of stuff available on Google, and especially because each product's process will be very different. Uh, there's a limited of help available from the actual equipment providers, which is good. Um, but predominantly, we've had to hire the help of experts uh, in the food tech space to help us scale. So food scientists, uh we've given them very clear guidelines, like we're not using this, we're not using that. <laughs> um, and then they work with us to create a process and to create, uh, the, I guess, the equipment setup that we're going to be needing. Yeah, and the, the food industry, I mean, it's been, it's been around for millennia in terms of the, I guess, supermarket style stuff. There is so many different pieces of equipment that are out there that can fit what we're doing. It's a matter of testing, trialling and seeing what works. And I mean, yes, you Google it, but you end up with this, uh, I don't know what you, how you describe it. It's like uh, you Google an encyclopedia and they give you an encyclopedia. So you've got a lot of things to sift through to find what actually is going to work. And are you finding that there's a lot of people in that space, like in that food tech space that are, I guess, on the same, I'm going to say ethical, if that's the right word, journey as you that get why you're doing it this way and you're not just doing it the way, you know, the supermarket might or, you know, whoever puts their product on the big shelves in the supermarket does it in that, you know, what's already recognised as being a commercially viable way to add things to it that are a number rather than a plant or something like that. Like, are you finding that there's pushback in that space or people are understanding, yes, we get that and we're happy to help you to discover that? Like, what's the vibe like? I think we got really lucky with who we were put into contact with in the beginning in that they were very willing to play in that space. But I don't necessarily think that that's the common norm. Um, and it's almost a bit like my engineering world where, you know, when you go to design a building, you've got this massively thick manual that tells you all the different potential ways that you could satisfy a certain code, like a building code, right? You can do it like this, you can do it like that. But then there's always this open category that says you could create your own way of doing it, but then you're going to have to prove and then you're going to have to get it certified and then you're going to have to demonstrate, you know, with all this rigorous process that you have actually hit that mark. And nobody in the engineering world goes down that path because it's costly and it's time intensive. And that's, I think, essentially what we're doing here because there are the equivalent in the food industry. There's these charts and if you, you can meet the requirement by doing this, by doing that, um, but if none of those work, you can come up with your own way. But my goodness, you have to prove that you've actually done it correctly. So I think um, in that respect, food scientists are really food engineers in a way in that they're trying to find a way of doing something that in our case might not fit the actual chart 
and and, I, and we're willing to challenge that because we don't want to compromise the quality of our food product. And, you know, for example, we don't want to heat our oils. That changes the integrity of, of the, the food entirely. So, um, so, yeah, so I think generally speaking, that's not the norm. Um, but I, I think we did get very, very lucky. And we've also found uh, here on the Sunshine Coast in particular, there are, is a, a, a reasonably sized community of what you'd classify as natural and organic food products being manufactured here. And that's been really powerful to talk to those people about their experiences, what they've come up against in their, in their, in their journey. So I think there's that kind of that um, banding together, you know, numbers and strength in numbers kind of approach, which I think that is what, what the uh, supermarkets and retailers will listen to because all of a sudden they'll see this. It's, it's, it's growing. There's, there's energy in that space. I agree fully. Yeah. 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 You need to band together with people that are wanting at least to do things the way you do so that you have that support because otherwise it's a very lonely journey. <laughs> <laughs> Creating a movement and or joining a movement that's already, the ball is rolling, albeit perhaps slowly, but a few more people pushing it will start to make it roll a little quicker and it'll gain a bit of momentum and, and gain some size. It's a snowball approach, so that's good. Yes. <laughs> now, Creating a product is only one thing. Obviously, you're creating a business here as well and you, Kitchen Coach was a business for you, so you had some experience there. But are you finding that this is a different journey in terms of finding the business model to go alongside a physical product? It is. And in some ways it's incredibly refreshing <laughs> because the Kitchen Coach model – there wasn't an existing path to follow, if you will. We were literally creating something from scratch, or at least that we could find. Um, and we did fairly well with that. But gosh, how valuable were those learnings in now coming into a model that is fairly well-trodden, as in there is a path, it is a retail product, it is considered a, it's even got its own acronym, it's an FMCG, it's a fast-moving consumer good, which we're learning about. Yeah. Um, and so there is more of a path there. And I think that feels refreshing. Would you agree? Yeah, it's it's almost like we've we've um, with the kitchen coach. We we went out with the machete into the jungle and carved our own way. We found which you know which trees were easy to knock down, which ones weren't, and which ones you didn't touch. And I think that's we've brought that those learnings into Phyto, and that's been really powerful because it's. I feel like we're not being cautious. We're we're being more strategic with our with our decision making. So we're not rushing out and investing in things unnecessarily. We're sort of pausing, looking at the, the landscape of you know, equipment and retailers and the like and just really being really smart about it, which, you know, we still will hit those speed bumps and, and, and so on, they're, they're no doubt, along the path, but it's been, it feels like it's, we feel more confident with it than when we were five years ago when we started the kitchen coach business. So the journey, I'll, I'll probably delve a little bit into your journey of creating the kitchen coach and what that was like what was it like like how how hard was it and what were some of maybe a couple of the things that you went wow if I was doing that over again I would definitely not do it that way like tell us a little bit about that yeah there's been many teary moments yeah lots of lots of uh, bootstraps <laughs> a lot of bootstrapping and yeah. I think that was maybe the biggest challenge is that we were so hell-bent on well, not really. We didn't even really have another option, to be honest. Um, we did. We bootstrapped it with literally zero dollars in the beginning. And, and I think that was the crazy part. Um, going into it now, if we'd have known, I probably wouldn't start anything like that afresh until I had at least 15 to 20 grand buffered to, to put into it in the beginning. Um, so I think that created the, the most amount of stress. And 
not only that is that we, we not only bootstrapped it from zero, but it then had to feed us because it was only maybe 12 months in to the kitchen coach that Matt left his job to help me because I needed so much support. And so by that point it had to feed us. We didn't have any other form of income. And so that put a double pressure on the business, not only bootstrapping it, but then also having to draw from it. Albeit we learned how to live frugally. (laughs) We still do, uh, which has been a major benefit, but yes, my goodness, the challenges, um, and then also the challenges of working together as a as a couple, I yeah, think. Definitely, um, yeah. It's it's been a it's been a um, a very big journey, both personally and professionally. To because you know, you know I've never run a business before or been you know in a startup space before, and so it was been really interesting to sort of navigate that. And I think whilst it was challenging and hard to do the five years of, of growing the kitchen coach to where it is today, I think through those learnings. And experience it's it's made us all the wiser um you know my hair has all fallen out so it could be part of it actually hasn't gone gray so that's a good sign um so yes and and i think one thing that i would take away from it is probably when you're starting a business be really aware of how much oxygen you need in your tank to get off the ground because that's that's like ashley alluded to going to have to feed two mouths from one business in very much in early stages put a lot of pressure on it but it also meant that we we knuckled down and made it work so it was kind of that kind of burn your bridge but make sure you burn that bridge with with a bit of foresight um um, so that you don't go back to where you don't want to be yeah and i think um when when you talk about having oxygen in the tank you don't just mean money you you mean also i think you know, your mental headspace, your capacity to devote time and energy to it um, to the point where we even like, we literally had to have conversations with friends and say, look, it's, it's really not you. It's us. (laughs) (laughs) Don't be offended if we're saying no to a lot of things because we really have to focus and we have to make this happen. And, and we weren't willing to go back over the bridges we'd, we'd burned. So it was for, you know, forward or nothing. Mm -hmm. Uh, And so I don't know if that was a great position to put ourselves in, but you know, it definitely puts a fire under your butt and <laughs> and, we're, and we're here today. So, and we're here yeah. today to tell yeah. the story, <laughs> albeit. And, and hopefully some of your friends are still along for the journey and now understanding that, oh, they're doing it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we, we've, uh, we've, yeah we, 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 we may need to get our heads checked. Maybe, yeah. <laughs> but no, I think it's, it's a really exciting space to be in. I think you would, you would agree, Joy, um, you're very close to that. Uh, startup entrepreneur space it is both exciting and the good thing is a lot of our friends are understanding uh, because we've communicated that to them so it's it's been really cool to they kind of I mean some someone actually said to me the other day which really surprised me I said we look up to you guys because you're willing to take risks like you're this. crazy yeah, yeah so yeah I think, I think I think everyone likes a little bit of crazy and maybe we're living vicariously through us oh man <laughs> that's it I mean we can always go to the the Steve Jobs quote you know about the crazy misfits and and we're the ones who make the world a better place so it's a good thing we can we can just stand by that <laughs> yeah, yeah. yes so along this journey, obviously, there's been some really good things. There's been some some teary moments, and and no doubt quite a few of those. And and you are still together, so well done on that. And as you know, David and I are now sort of five ish and a bit years uh, into our journey of working together as well. I uh, totally understand how challenging that can be. Um, so well done on that. But tell me about a couple of things, perhaps that you are really proud of in your your journey, whether it's business or you know, something specific in the business or something aligned that you think, you know what, 
we've we've done this and we've done it really well. Gosh, um, it's a great question. The first thing I think of, I don't know if I'd describe it as proud of or just really happy about, grateful for maybe. Uh, I don't necessarily think it was anything specifically that we did intentionally. It just sort of happened. But it's the community that's been built. And I pinch myself daily at how blessed we are to be surrounded by this incredible community. And I think I can say of women because I know that there's the men behind them and beside them, um, but it's mostly women facing that I, that I work with. And I just feel so blessed. Like I kid you not how incredible of a space that they've provided, which they feel like they feel like I'm supporting them. And I just feel like I need them for my life. They're supporting me just as much as they, they don't even realize. Um, so that's something that I'm extremely happy about and and surprises me and and makes me incredibly grateful every day and makes me want to get out of bed and keep doing it is literally because of this incredible community and how everyone stands together so that part I'm I'm very happy about and I feel like we can continue that moving forward that's been a very good realization that that's possible and hopefully we can continue that through FITO and create that connection. Yeah I I second that community has been really powerful I think there's a wonderful feedback loop where we're providing something that's helping someone and then they, they give their gratitude back to us and that keeps us, that gets us out of bed every day. Like um, literally, they send me gifts. I know you can't maybe see this right now, but I'm holding up these wonderful knitted um, cloths and or that they have just been sent. Like it's just so it's such a beautiful community of support and we're very, very grateful for them. So, But in terms of other things that we'd be proud of, um, persistence. 100%, yeah. I love the book called Grit. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favourites. (laughs) Yes, that was very helpful. Um, Persistence, um, what else? I think I think being willing to you know to stand back up after a, t- a tough experience. So something if something didn't work or, or something you know went dramatically wrong, it's just turning up the next day to go. Yeah, let's keep going. Let's keep moving. Let's learn from that. Um, that's been a big thing for us, and that's probably been the big thing for us as, as a, a couple in life as well as a couple in business partners in business is that that has allowed us to really work through together, communicate, you know, talk about it and and find a path that works for both of us. Mm-hmm. Um, whilst challenging at times, by no means was it always easy. It was sometimes moments where, you know, we went into our separate rooms and didn't talk to each other for a while just to sort it out. But it was, I think, that that, that process of, of working through it, um, through persistence and, mm-hmm. and just willingness to, to keep going. Well done. And, yeah, walking away is sometimes the best option. So totally get that one as well. I'm learning that, Julie. <laughs> <laughs> now, clearly, uh, Phyto is still in the early stages of becoming uh, a business and a household name as a product. Uh, I know you've got a few other things on the horizon as well, though, alongside of that. And it's not just this one, um, you know, one product or, or one thing that you're working on at the moment. So do you want to tell us a little bit about, you know, what's actually sort of in the future what's that next stage what's driving you to to keep going with this and beyond yeah so with with the phyto business we see um it becoming a, a i guess a family of brands a fam- sorry a family of products rather um you know starting of course with the butter there'll be more butters to come we can't let too many cats out of the bag in that regard but we really see it as being a place that people a brand that they people go to as a um 
a safe space, one they don't even possibly need to read the ingredients labels on because it's because it's only full of good food and good ingredients. Of course, allergens may come into play, but that will be fairly easy to navigate. Um, and in terms of a goal for us, it's really to to become, I guess, seen as being a, a beacon in the industry that people will hopefully start to gravitate towards because they will see that consumers are demanding that. So we want, kind of want that to be the candidate in the food election for people that people start voting for and all of a sudden the other parties will start gravitating to where those people are going. I think that'd be, that's, that would be our, our, I guess, our grand vision in that sense. Food political leaders vote FITO. (laughs) We just had a a lunch and learn session actually and we were talking about a thing called EAT, which kind of aligns with food type stuff, but it's an expertise and authority and trust. And I think they're the things that you're, you're wanting to show that we know what we're doing, we're doing it well, and you can trust us. And then, yeah, maybe that next product comes out and maybe it's a, I don't know, like a yogurt or a cheese or a something like that. And people go, well, the butter is great. I'll happily just buy that next product. And I, I do trust it. So yeah, yeah so we can't, we can't give too much away in terms of what products that's, that's, that's the exciting bit. We've got some, some things in, in motion. Yeah. Cool. We look yeah. forward to that. <laughs> as, as do I, cause I get to taste. <laughs> and I'm also open for suggestions. So I love it when people email me and say, look, I have been trying forever to find X can you make this? Is it doable? Um, or, you know, between all of me and my friend circles, we just wish we could buy this for our kids' lunchbox or, you know, like what is it that really you want? Because to be perfectly honest, anything's possible. It's just a matter of how can we best help? And that, that I think from an intention perspective with this business, that was what kicked off the whole business is how can I best help this wonderful community of women that I'm working with? How can I remove as much stress from their life as possible and contribute to their health rather than, you know, provide something that's questionable for their health? Uh, and so to that effect, I really would like to know what other people would love to have as, you know, something that they don't have to make from scratch that they can they can buy off the shelf. And yeah, we were very open to hearing those uh, requests. Well, anyone listening can definitely send them through. That would be good. <laughs> Now, I imagine, as you said, you've got some friends who have been watching your journey and if they were to come up to you and say, hey, guys, you know, I know I've been watching what you're doing and you guys are doing really well. I've got this idea for something. What should I do? What would you tell them? My, my thought goes to a bit of a learning from, from the kitchen coach business is actually don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, because whilst we're capable and competent and, and a, a lot of people are, there are certain things that we need support with and there's someone out there who's going to you know, just do it a whole lot better. I think asking for that, that help and support. And I think the first question is ask someone that you know that's in, 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 your, in the space you want to move into because they will give you literally a refidex of contacts and support that will help you on your journey. I think that would be the, the first thing because that just unlocks so many answers for people. Yeah, I think building on that is definitely the idea of um, don't be afraid to pick up the phone. And and I'd say every single day from, from now moving forward in your business, every single day you should have a chat with someone. And that might be, you know, related to different things every single day for an entire month. Like, but you just have, just get in the habit of talking to other people because it's amazing how much simpler things get 
when not only when you connect with others, but when you get feedback, when you, I mean, I mean, I'm not saying just go and get everyone's opinion on things, but I just mean, don't be afraid, like Matt said, to get help and to, to reach out because a lot of more people are willing to help than we, we would believe. Um, and related to that, I have this book on my shelf called The Curse of the Capable. And I feel like I don't even need to read the book <laughs> because that's been my biggest learning from the kitchen coach business is yes, when you're doing a startup, you do need to wear a lot of hats, but at some point it becomes too much. It becomes overwhelming to try and do everything yourself. And as soon as possible, reach out in the areas that are the most stressful for you because First of all, it's not going to be stressful for someone else out there that loves doing that piece. So ask in those particular areas for that help because you've got enough stressors in building a startup as it is um, that when you're doing something that's outside of your comfort zone, although you're capable, you know, it, it's stressful and it, it consumes more energy than it should. And when you do that in every aspect that is required in starting up a business, it, burnout is just inevitable. So um, yeah, take it from me. Uh, even if you're very capable at figuring things out, uh, reach out in every aspect that you can. And, and my favorite words have become delegate. Uh, and I mean, efficiency is one, but another thing that resonates in our head from a previous business coach is, you know, the whole profit before leverage thing is, is kind of tricky because in a startup you might not have profit and yet you need the leverage of, of getting others to help you. Um, so do watch your cash flow as well. <laughs> <laughs> but like I said, as soon as possible, reach out because there's often people that are willing to help you out without getting paid initially. Um, and yeah, just try not, try not to wear all the hats all the time forever. <laughs> 100%. Very sound advice and I would have to agree with that. We, as you know, in through the Flare Incubator, are always encouraging you to ask, know what you need, ask for it. Ask yeah. again and again and again because eventually someone will be able to help you and usually more often than not it doesn't take too long if you're really clear about what you need and don't be afraid to ask. And I love the idea of actually reminding people of the fact that that thing you carry around in your back pocket that you use to pay for stuff is actually a telephone. You can call somebody and talk to them on it. I think sometimes we forget that and we think we have to text them or we have to email them or we have to Slack them or we have to look them up on Facebook or we have to look at their website and it's like, no, no, you can actually dial the number and talk about something and it often will get you a lot further, a lot faster. So... Yeah, us than an email in some cases. Oh, yeah. definitely. Yeah. That's right. And and like you said, it could be anyone. You might talk to a customer today. You might talk to a supplier tomorrow. You might talk to a friend the next day. It doesn't have to be just the same, like the same person that you're talking to about the same thing. You can talk about different things and it can all be helpful from your own personal perspective or from developing your business or reinforcing or just getting someone saying something nice to you that makes you feel good for the rest of the day and you can keep moving yeah. forward with that. And it's not often that you can seek out to go find inspiration and actually find it in the moment you need it. Normally inspiration comes without you realizing. So by opening yourself up to more of those opportunities, by having phone conversations or get togethers or walks in the beach or whatever it is, by, by putting yourself in those environments more often, you're more likely to be inspired on a regular basis without expecting where it's going to come from. Yeah. And what, to give a, a, a very recent example, I've been on the phone today, connecting with uh, some packaging solutions people and, and 
I was on this rabbit warren path down for a certain uh, solution and I, a lady gave me a phone number for someone and I called this guy and he goes, look, I can't help you with my product, but I know exactly what you need to look for. And he spent 10 minutes talking to me. There was no benefit for him at all. And I think that's one of the things that, you know, I didn't expect that. I thought he was going to say, no, sorry, I can't help hang up. And I think you'd be surprised what you find out just by chasing that, chasing that lead down through. So if the person can't help you there, ask who can, and then you might find yourself with a, a really wonderful solution. And although he said, no, I can't help you, he ended up helping immensely. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it was really beautiful yeah. to see those connections. Yeah, that's great. And I think that comes from being genuine, authentic people as well. So it, it certainly pays. Cool. All right. So people have been listening to this and they're going, Joy, just tell us where we can find the butter. Just tell us. So where can we find the butter? Oh, well, it's still a little bit new. It's still a little bit hard to find, we'll be honest. Uh, we are trying to get it out there as fast as possible. It's going to start with the nucleus on the Sunshine Coast. Uh, we've just signed with a distributor to get it into up to 50 stores between Sunshine Coast, Brisbane and Gold Coast, Gold Coast yes. within the next couple of months. Uh, but if you are in, um, let's say, South, Southeast Queensland, we'd love for you to go and approach your local food store or wherever you, you are buying the food. And we'd love for you to ask for it because if they hear that there's demand, they're much more likely to entertain a phone call with us if we ring or if they ring us. That That's just so much better. Uh, so that would be lovely. And in the meantime, uh, depending on when you're listening to this, uh, head to our website, which is phyto.kitchen. That is literally phyto.kitchen and click on the stockist uh, link there and you'll get a list of all the current stockists and that will be updated. So hopefully by the time you click on this, there'll be more. Heaps more. Heaps more. So. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's great. So phyto.kitchen and on social media yet as well? or Yep. yep. So if you search for, for phyto, you should be able to find us. Uh, for Facebook, it's phytokitchen, one word, uh, as the, the handle. And on Instagram, it's phyto.kitchen. Yeah, I think that's right. So, but no doubt Joy will have those in the show notes. They will definitely be in the show notes so people can go and check that out. And now I'll just, I, I know you mentioned very briefly um, maybe some other types of butter, but you have got two types at the moment. So there's a, a regular butter and is it herb and garlic or just herb? Yes, herb and garlic. Um, and that's not officially as of this date uh, on the market, but it will be very soon. So yes, those should be the first two that are available. Um, and yeah, we're also accepting people's suggestions for flavors they might like, including some sweet flavors that we've got in mind. Uh, but yeah, we'd love to hear what your, what your desires would be and how you would want to use that. Well, I can attest to both the ones that you have available, including the one that's not actually available, being very tasty. <laughs> so, we have had people saying they're just eating it like a dip, um, as in they're just putting it on crackers or, you know, just having it on its own. And, and that's awesome. It's great. Like it, it's it's um, healthier than, uh, I guess, some of the other alternatives out there in the sense that that's maybe not such a bad idea because there's, you know, quite a bit less... Um, fat and you know there's more protein and things like that so it's uh it's not it's not horrible and I, I've learned that apparently Australians don't eat butter on crackers is that that's what I've been told or just me because I'm, <laughs> I'm not your average Australian so <laughs> but I I don't know we eat butter on crackers in Canada so I, I think that's okay <laughs> yeah. and another thing come back to the flavor is that we've really focused on 
I think a lot of people connect healthy with not flavor, not flavorful. So we've really focused on making sure that it is really tasty. Um, and that just that just is so important, I think, for people who are looking to, to make a change in their life. They want to know that they're going somewhere that, that is delicious. But delicious without the compromise. And this yes. is the biggest thing is we are not using natural flavors. We are not, as in, I think I probably need to educate people on that too because can I do that quickly, Joy? Because people, I don't understand the difference. Um, flavors used to be distinguished between artificial and natural. And then they got rid of the need to use the word artificial. So they either just say flavors, which means artificial flavors, or they say natural flavors. Um, but really the only difference between an artificial flavor and a natural flavor is that with a natural one, they initially started with something natural. But by the time they're done, that process, it could have it could now have hundreds of different chemicals in it. And, and just as an example, don't quote me on the exact um, specifics of who uses this one, but uh, one of the common fast food chains that uses a strawberry milkshake uh, flavor, so they use a strawberry flavor in their milkshake, they say that it's a natural strawberry flavor, but it actually started with banana, <laughs> believe it or not. And then it's been changed and added to, and there's hundreds of chemicals in there now. So hiding in those little innocent words of natural flavor can be this whole chemical soup of, uh, you know, things that the body might not recognize and might not benefit from and might then be classified as a toxin in the eyes of the body. So when we say that the foods are flavorful, it's because we're using spices appropriately and we're using fresh spices and we're using, you know, the, the right amounts of real food uh, to create that. And we just really want to distinguish that. It's totally doable. I've written four recipe books now. I know that it's doable, um, but it does involve maybe that slight little bit of extra effort to, for example, find the fresh versions of these products, which a lot of food manufacturers, I guess, that's not their gig. So, so yeah, that's just a little differentiator I wanted to point out. Great point. And I think, I mean, I'll just add that I think a lot of that comes from the fact that you are so passionate about it and it's not just a job. You don't work for a large corporate organisation that says, hey, make this product and make it inside this budget and it's got to fit in whatever box or, or something that is on some checklist that somebody created that will probably never eat that product anyway. So I think there's a real difference there. In, in the passion that comes through and the commitment to finding a good alternative and not just saying, oh, it's low in fat, but it still tastes good because we've loaded it up with sugar instead. It's not like that. So, yeah, so I think that comes through. And I think the question that should be asked more often of food manufacturers or even some food retailers, food sellers, is do you eat your own products <laughs> and, you know, do you eat them regularly? And, and look, some of them, some people might eat them without realizing some of the damage they are doing, which is one, one thing. But uh, yeah, I, I know that in the food world, it exists quite a few instances where people will produce and sell something, but they don't, they don't eat that. So it's uh, yeah, we, we eat our cooking. Yes. <laughs> We're probably eating too much of it. actually. No. <laughs> I can see you on a video at the moment. I think yous are fine. <laughs> so it's all good okay well was there anything else that you wanted to share before we wrap up for today no that's that's everything i mean the other thing i would add is uh, if people are interested in, in learning more about the kitchen coach uh, that, that is still operational and existing and <laughs> it's a really insight into to ashley's brain when it comes to food and, and organization and and doing things smarter not harder uh if you just look for the the kitchen coach google that on uh google the kitchen coach uh or the same for social media you'll find all the information there and it's just a really nice nice space to go into she's always got some really cool things being shared there as well great and that's where we can access the cookbooks as well 
Yes. Thekitchencoach.com. Fantastic. We'll pop a link to that in the show notes as well. Awesome. Thank you, Joy. Thank you for this opportunity. I, I really, really appreciate that and do hope that hope we can get this out to everyone to be able to taste, especially, especially the kids. I love seeing the look on their face when they're like, oh, I want more of that. <laughs> well, um, I'm, I'm, the, I'm the kid that eats butter from the tub with a spoon. <laughs> I don't even worry about the cracker, um, but I will put it on a cracker because um, I tend not to want to eat the bread. Um, and I do have a tub of Fido butter in the fridge and it has got spoon marks in it. Awesome. it <laughs> and kids with fingers going straight in with the fingers. It's so cute. Yeah, I know. I, I've, I've grown up a little bit now. I do use a spoon. So. <laughs> we recommend that. Yeah. That's great. Well, thank you very much for joining me today. Um, we're so happy to have you in Flair. It's great to see the progress that you've made already, even um, in the few short weeks that we've been running the program and I'm really excited to see what you do over the remainder of it and beyond that as well so thank you thank you Joy thank you you, everyone well that brings us to the end of this week's ideas into reality episode and we hope that you enjoyed learning about our founders journey and got a couple of takeaways from the lesson learned that will help end the flames of your idea assuming you did Be sure to subscribe to this podcast on your favourite podcast app and let your friends know too. They might just be sitting on an idea that you do not even know about yet. You can find out more about Canvas Coworking and Startup Toowoomba by visiting our websites, canvascoworking.com.au and startuptoowoomba.com.au or finding us on pretty much any social media platform. My name is Joy Taylor and I'd like to thank you for joining me on this journey and I look forward to introducing you to our next guest in our next episode.